When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery available in Regina at sassbeardelivery.ca. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the internet's only disappearing podcast. I am Joel Gasson with John Fraser as usual. Uh, we have a lot to get to this episode, of course. Uh, the season is set to start this weekend. The Riders will open their quest for the 2022 Grey Cup against the Hamilton Tiger Cats on Sun Saturday evening. Uh, so we'll yes. talk about, uh, you know, sort of the look ahead at the Riders' season and some situations going on with them. Uh, we'll kind of a uh, little big picture of the league, maybe a little bit, what we maybe expect out of the CFL this year. And once again, we have a Sergio update, and it might get our. I I just love hearing you say it. It might get us a little worked up. (laughs) Is we have some things to talk about with Sergio. He got screwed again. The media, somebody hates Sergio. Like legit, one of the most down to earth humans, one of the most talented kickers in North America, and they just hate the guy. Somebody just hates the guy. Let's just let's just. Save it. Save it for now, because we've got to save angry. the good stuff. You know, I, know. I know. I know. I know. I'm just... I know. After, after I such point. good news, where it looks like he might be doing a bunch of jobs in Edmonton, this happens. But anyway. I know. So you may have noticed that uh, we haven't really done an episode in a couple weeks. <laughs> no, we're not fighting. Everybody that no. has texted to uh, make sure we're alive and well, I appreciate that, especially mm. uh, looking at you, Dave. Uh, much appreciated that, you know, that... That, uh, you know, you're checking in, making sure we're alive, that there's no beef, that the podcast is not breaking up. It's just the last few weeks for the two of us um, to describe it as a shit show would be drastic understatement. Like, is there something past shit show? Maybe. I don't know. Like, I've, does, never, does, I've never really thought about it. Right. Does it go gong show, then shit show? Or does it go shit show, then gong show? Whatever one is bigger. I think shit show would have to be bigger, right? I would, I, I would think so. Let's call it. Okay. Okay, I'm going to coin this term, explosive shit show. Maybe. Huh? Yeah. Might be a little explosive, but anyway. But but does it not describe the past couple weeks for the two of us? I mean, maybe. A little. I, I mean, mean I, I don't know if I'd go that far for me. I mean, I was still on vacation, but. That, that's that's true. I mean, I'm more <laughs> rage because we're doing this one on my phone as I sit there at the spinny little dot on my Lenovo laptop staring at it. So there's a baseline of rage here already mm-hmm. tonight, Joel. But back to why we did actually disappear. You mentioned your vacation, which started off as a bit of a gong show. Yeah. So uh, a couple weeks ago, my wife and I, we uh, departed for Ottawa as uh, I had a wedding to attend for a buddy of mine from college uh, later in the week at one point and so yeah everything goes well we leave you know Regina on the ungodly hour early of uh, 5 a.m. Cool. to get there because I mean those are the only really good flights out of Regina these days is either is basically this leaving extremely early which yeah. whatever it's fine you get to where you want to get faster and I'm okay with that exactly and early enough you get more of the day anyway so 
we get to Ottawa on a Saturday of the long weekend, May long weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, we land, everything's okay. I mean, number one, just the pure shock of leaving Regina at five in the morning, and it was plus three. They had to de-ice the plane. <laughs> we get to Ottawa, and it's 33 degrees. <laughs> and and that humid bomb on top of that. So we're both just like, we go eat some lunch, grab a drink, and we're just like dying already. Did, and... you, did, you, did you not wear the plane shorts? See, much like no. house shorts, I'm a big advocate for airport shorts. I generally wear normal clothes on the plane. Just because you never know what might happen to your baggage, and then you're, you're stuck in like bum clothes the rest of the day. Oh, oh, no, no. See, I'm a big advocate for like the nice shorts. Oh, like, yeah. Like I, I was wearing like my normal like... Oh, I'm going to go see people tonight. Shorts, not like not the house shorts. <laughs> not the house shorts. Okay. See, I usually change into that even if it's like spring. Right? Yeah, like At I was still wearing my shorts. I was just saying, like it was. We I was still in that short, hot. I was in shorts and a t-shirt. We were in Ottawa, and it was still hot as hell. Because I think like a thirty degree swing, you're going to notice that no matter what you're wearing. <laughs> that's that, that's fair. Unless <laughs> especially it was when it's incredibly humid, like it can get out there compared to here. Oh, God, yes. And, and anybody that hasn't been out there, I don't think you'll ever understand how, like, it's just a constant pressure of wetness and sweat, mm-hmm. and um, your bum crack is basically never dry the entire summer. No, lots of swass. So anyway, um, <laughs> that wasn't really the point. Like, that was just kind of a sidebar or something that happened. Uh, so, yeah, because okay. we could check into our Airbnb about 3 o'clock, so, you know, we had some time to kill when we landed in Ottawa around one thirty. And so, you know, we did that. We got back to a room, kind of got settled in for about five minutes, and the lights started to flicker, and we're like, oh, boy, what's going on here? <laughs> um, like, And there had been warnings out. Like, they were saying a severe thunderstorm warning was in effect. We're like, okay, well, I'm thunderstorm, whatever it happens. But apparently the big thing that we missed was apparently, I've learned now, if you get the emergency, like, you know, like, if you listen to the radio or you see it, like, you hear the noise and there's, like, the alert yeah. kind of thing. Apparently, if that for a weather alert pops up on your phone, get the hell indoors. Because apparently, really? it's, apparently it only pops up on your phone if it's expected to be, like, severely severe. Huh. Because, yeah, like, it happened on the radio a bunch of times because we were listening in Ottawa where they actually have some good radio stations. And, right. <laughs> I and see what you did there. a little bit later, it suddenly popped up on our phone. I'm like, okay, we get it. There's a thunderstorm coming. God, I grew up in Ontario. I'm used to these. I live in the prairies. So yeah, the lights flicker and everything, and then I'm like, okay. Apparently our room is pretty soundproof because you couldn't really tell what was going on outside all that well until I opened up the window. I'm like, oh wow, it's raining. Like you couldn't see like more than a meter in front of you, and that's I'm sure most of you know the news. This like big downburst storm kind of came through. I forget the technical term for it. Basically, 190k winds blew through parts of the area, knocking down some like 200 power poles across the city. And, yeah, uh, our Airbnb happened to be basically near the worst hit area, and I didn't have power until for nine days after we got there. <laughs> Monday night but, is when but... the power came back. Of course, I was there Tuesday and left Wednesday. Um, so, yeah, I had brought my laptop thinking, okay, at some point we'll at least record. Maybe I'll write something at some point. Yep. But yeah, that uh, that got completely washed out. And then, of course, the next week, you know, I didn't get the power back until the day basically before I was leaving. And we just couldn't connect at all that week. And the Internet still wasn't back because I think the Rogers supply box still didn't have power by the time I left. So Unreal. I had blown through all my data on my phone. I mean, I guess I have unlimited. It just slowed, slowed down at that point, but whatever. And so, yeah, that just became a, a whole mess of things that happened. And 
I mean, it was still fun and whatever, but uh, I do need to give credit and props to our, our Airbnb host who drove all the way to Montreal the day after the storm to get us a generator because there were absolutely none in the city of Ottawa at that point. That's that's <laughs> you know what, like stick tap to a guy like that 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 will go the way, you know, for somebody else that's this day in his place because at least then, like like you you and I were talking, you didn't have mm-hmm. to charge your phone off the car, you know, you were able to actually do some things, you were able to have a shower. Yes, because um, that because the part the house we were at was on well water, and you need electric pump to get that water to the ground. Unlike if you're just in the city water, you might not get hot water depending on your hot water setup, but you right. at least get water, right? <laughs> I didn't see. I didn't realize that. I thought yeah. it was just like too dark, and no, maybe no. you were scared of ghosts or something. No, no, like literally, the water just would not run. <laughs> oh, that's like. I couldn't imagine being without power for nine days. Like I, yeah. like, like especially you being such a chill human. Like I would probably like flip out and cancel my trip and just go like live at the Sky Dome or something like that. Like I just, yeah. I, I mean, here's, I, here's the thing. So like, my father-in-law was like on the first day or two after it happened, he was like, "Well, you should go sign in somewhere else." But I was like, "Where? Like half right, the city yeah, doesn't have power. Where are we going to go at this point?" I was like, "I mean, at that like it wasn't his fault. There's nothing he could have done about it. It was what it was." Right. I mean, it would have been nice to have the internet because there's a few days because like, and you know, we, you know, we didn't have great entertainment options because of that during downtimes. But I mean, that was really only the major thing once we had the generator, quite frankly. So yeah, one night after I was by myself, after Jenny had gone back because I had to go to Toronto the following weekend for a bachelor party. So I just stayed in Ottawa for a few extra days. And, um, you know, kind of later, it was like at eight o'clock on like a Saturday night. So some, you know, some of the Wi-Fi options were starting to drop off. So I apparently Lowe's has pretty good internet if you need to walk around and download some shows on Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Just head on over to Lowe's. Pretend you're you're shopping for lumber or a fridge or something and uh, download shows. No, I I, I think that's a a veteran move right there. Because, I mean, uh, like we would go to like Starbucks or different places that had a Wi-Fi through the time. Anytime I connected somewhere with Wi-Fi, I'm like, hey, got to download some shows on my phone so we can watch them later. (laughs) You're right. Exactly. So – I think the thing that we have found is that player strikes, canceled seasons, mm. pandemics cannot stop this podcast, but apparently violent acts of nature can. So that's what it takes to keep the two of us from getting together and recording. And I mean, that's surely not going to happen again, given the state of the planet. <clears throat> no, yeah, climate, climate change isn't a thing. We don't have to worry about it. I'm just glad I record in a basement. Yeah. Um, especially because my Wi-Fi is pretty good down here because I can actually look at my router and, ooh, it's right above my beer fridge. The joys, though, of actually being able, doing this week's episode on my phone means I, ha- I have no research in front of me. I have no stats in front of me. So it's a little old school in that way, back to, like, season one. But I can get up and walk to my beer fridge and grab a can of beer as I need to while still sitting in front of my computer. Mm-hmm. And we will get to those beers in a second, of course. And uh, we will get into... Um, looking ahead to the Riders' season, what we think may or may not happen, kind of maybe what some of the, you know, maybe it's where some, you know, new bright spots may come from, where some problem, you know, there's maybe not problems, but questions we have about the team. And, of course, uh, the general state of the league and another Sergio update. Yes. But as usual, before we get to all of that, John, what's in the glass this week? Well, as I the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Sorry, a little rusty. Yes, sponsored. Let's not forget the sponsor that sticks with us when you know, through the non-football seasons, we actually have football to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, very close to the sponsor from Black Bridge Brewery. Um, I have to admit, this is kind of a 
a twofer in terms of the beers. Not that I'm double fisting quite yet. I do have my vodka poured for for after my beer is done. But um, their dad joke series, mm-hmm. as a guy that loves a great dad joke, I'm all over this. Um, <laughs> uh, they've got the he can't even have one T-Rex cans. That was a real hoppy double New England IPA that was absolutely delicious. And then the other one, the cold IPA, mm-hmm. it's a little flaky in reference to... I tell you a joke, but it's a little flaky. Oh God, they are uh, the artwork on them's really cool. Uh, the beers in them are just top notch. Some of the best stuff I've had from Blackbridge, uh, of course, out of Swift Current. And they're the kind that, like, when I went to the liquor store uh, last week, I walked in, and I'm I'm famous. Like both, if I bring Max or, or Connor, they hate it because they get cold because <laughs> I stand in the beer fridge for so long, right? Yep. So I had the boys with me, and I'm like, you know what? gonna go in grab some white ipa boom out away we go and as i have the white ipa in my hands i'm like (laughs) it's a little flaky and i put them back and gave it a shot so yes uh i would highly recommend uh all of the dad joke series from blackbridge really cool looking it actually the thing that is a little confusing though you have to look a little it doesn't look like a blackbridge can because of the different artwork so yeah it is a very nice refreshing beer though because the cold ipa uh you basically you it almost starts as a lager like they use a lager yeast and then hop the hell out of it like an IPA rather than like more of an ale yeast. So it gives a little bit more of that crisp lager type flavor along with the IPA bite essentially. Yeah, and that's and that's what I I absolutely loved about it. It's a perfect summer because mm-hmm. I I find I love my IPAs like I love you know we've discussed that a few times obviously on on this show. Once but twice, uh, yeah. right a couple times, but I like something that's nice and summery. And, you know, I saw the winter can. I'm like, well, is this going to be more of a wintry thing? It was kind of cool that day. But I'm like, yeah, this is a perfect summer IPA right up there with, uh, you know, the white IPA. And as you've been telling me, on sale, the double white IPA next week, which means, oh, boy, watch Mm -hmm. out. Yes, absolutely. Uh, For me, I'm sticking with the sponsors of this fine program. Uh, It's the new Pile of Bones Grapefruit Rattler. Uh, so it's not like a rattler, like it's it's a beer with grapefruit flavor. It's not with the juice, so it's still got four uh, percent alcohol in it. So it's not like quite a rattler where you got like two percent or something in it sometimes like that. But it's got a good grapefruit flavor to it, which uh, I know can kind of be hit and miss with some people. I happen to enjoy grapefruit flavors. Oh yeah, me too. Like, yeah. like I don't think I, I wouldn't sit down and just eat a grapefruit, but in terms of like flavors in a cocktail or in some kind of beverage, I. I generally quite enjoy it. It's pretty straightforward. It's a beer, tastes like grapefruit, but it's refreshing and it's delicious. So, yeah, I can't uh, can't go wrong with that. I did see that and it did intrigue me for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I feel like that's one I'll I'll have to try on tap or at a bar or something like that before I I, I make the plunge for all four. Fair enough. And the Riders, they're about to take the plunge on the twenty twenty two season. And... You know, I, I, I it, pull back the curtain for a little bit. I'm sure mm. there's people out there that think we script these. God, no. We don't. We don't script He's anything. just that good. <laughs> <laughs> we do not script oh. a single thing around here. No, we kind of we kind of figure it out when we're talking. And, you know, yeah. and, and like I said, I, I'll be cursing under my breath as I try to make my computer work so I can, like, pull up stats and not sound like a total dumbass. But... This, 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 I'm going to lean on you for this episode, Joel. And, uh, oh God, yeah, we're j- yeah, we are completely doomed, but hey. Good night, folks. Couple... That's it. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> but yes, 
to the 22-22 season. It's weird to talk about, like, there actually being a full football season. This is mm-hmm. still strange to me here. I'm still not used to this. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while coming, and uh, it's certainly welcome. And, yeah, the Riders yes. open their season on Saturday against the Hamilton Ticats. They tend to do a lot of, uh, you know, sort of cross-divisional games early on, as yep. is normally the case. And it should be a good – I think it will be, be a good test for both teams. You know, I think um, – you know, we don't really know. I think this is one of those years in the CFL. Maybe we'll start more with the CFL. Okay. Where I don't really know, other than maybe Winnipeg to a degree – I don't really know who anyone is at this point, quite frankly. No, you're right. And no, I think I, I, I would agree with you. Yep. And I think that's that's true. Of the Riders, like I, I expect them to be good. I expect them to compete. I, but I mean, I have a hard time nailing down who I think is a true Grey Cup contender. Who is like the number one team? And I, I guess mathematically, you know, the odds are probably still in Winnipeg's favor. They still have very much the same kind of team together there, right? You know, minus Andrew Harris, but they have a good enough running game that they should be able to get enough contributions out of whoever they're running back to make that work. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, sure. I can live with Winnipeg being, you know, the favorite on paper coming into the season again. But then there's the other side of me that's like, mathematically, the odds of them winning three in a row were astronomically low. So at that point, I'm like, who is going to step beyond the only question I have in my mind is who is going to step up and sort of be the team to knock them out. And the answer is, I don't know. Well, and that, and that's exactly it. I think a lot of teams, I think every team, especially a quarterback minus Winnipeg minus Saskatchewan has question marks. And even Saskatchewan, you can make the argument that is Cody, the guy, are we going to see Cody from two years ago or Cody from last year? Right. So, you know, you got Mazzoli out in, in Ottawa, which I think is going to make them instantly better. Dane Evans to me is a question mark in Hamilton, you know, who Vernon Adams jr. And Montreal's question mark, McLeod Bethel Thompson's hot and cold. What the hell is Nathan Rourke going to be? What's going on in Edmonton and this bowl Levi Mitchell bad. So, you know, being such a quarterback driven league, mm-hmm. I'm with you as much as I think I'm going to reverse uh, to, to curse them as I seem to have, been immune from doing lately i do think it is the bombers just because zach caleros to me is and maybe jeremiah mazzoli to a lesser degree but you have bigger question marks around mazzoli zach caleros and that bombers team is the one team you can say okay we know they're going to be good Hmm. yeah and and like i if you maybe put you know a bet on it you know i would say you know, I put it in. I don't think the piece is up yet on Three Down Nation. It's probably going to be posted on Thursday. So probably by the time you actually listen to this, it might be up. You know, I have Winnipeg finishing first in the West just because I don't know if anyone on a sort of a regular season basis is going to be better than them. Right. But I would say, you know, if you, you know, no matter who they play in the West final, out of principle, I might just pick the other team because I'm like, they have to lose one of these things eventually. Like, <laughs> well, well, and, and that's exactly it. And as, as, a, as a huge Bomber fan, I feel like I'm living on, like, like I always say, there's a three-year grace period where you can't really be mad if your team, like, hoops the bed after mm-hmm. afterwards, and I feel like that's been extra extended with the fact that they've just gone back-to-back and didn't look like they were going to go back-to-back the way that Grey Cup game was going, but, yeah, I, I, the intriguing two to me this year are BC and Ottawa. Yeah, I, 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 think... I, I, I you'll let you t- say your point, but I think BC more yeah. than Ottawa, but yeah. I, I, I like the fact that BC could be dressing two Canadian quarterbacks for the first time in CFL history. Yeah. I couldn't believe that as far as everybody can tell, that's a thing. First time in CFL 
history. Well, there was never a, an incentive to dress one, let alone two, really right. before, right? So exactly, but they're looking. They're looking at doing that, and it's it's going to be can Nathan Rourke not lose them games because yeah. he's got enough weapons around him. Um, the one guy who's bearish on him, though, is friend of the show and new Bombers play-by-play man, Derek Taylor. Mm-hmm. Derek and of course, Taylor... and of course, like the the guy who runs this site, Justin Dunk. Right. <laughs> but I mean, that right. goes without saying. He could be the worst quarterback of all time, but if he's Canadian, Dunk's going to vouch for him. So, well, well, that's exactly <clears throat> right. So, and I see like DT saying a lot of stuff like, "Hey, I think I'm going to take the under on total passing yards this year with this guy," and and things like that. So. Mm-hmm. I find it, I find them very intriguing. I find um, I think Ottawa. This is you know they have a quarterback. They really didn't have a quarterback, and they've got some no. nice pieces there. Uh, and let's face it, like the East, like the East is a total crapshoot. Like the East this... is an a- absolute crapshoot. And we'll see how it plays out. But this is a year where I feel. It could be a year where I'm not going to say the East is better than the West, but it could be far more compelling and interesting than the West. I would agree. Yeah, yeah, because I because think... you I think you can make an argument for all four teams to some degree. Maybe not necessarily getting to the Great Cup, but at least being competitive and quite good. Right, and I think in the West, you can make an argument for three of the teams being dog shit. Right. If Nathan Rourke is not good in BC, BC is not going to be a good football team. Yeah. If Bo Levi Mitchell does not return to form, Calgary is probably not going to be a great football team. They got a lot of good players there. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out Jake Meyer though. So. Right, and, and neither would I. But Jake Meyer just comes with a question mark, right? Yeah. Um, and Edmonton, you know, is Nick Arbuckle finally going to? be a guy or are they going to give it to Cornelius who is like me playing Madden, just mashing the X button as hard as you can and gunning it in there without touch. Right. Um, I don't, I can't make an argument as to why an East team would be the worst in the league. I I don't think so. I think to me, when I look at, to me, there's only one team that I'm fairly certain who they are and that's Edmonton. Yeah. Like, I, th- I think they're going to be dramatically improved from what they were last year. That's not going yes. to be hard. They will probably right. win a home game or two this year. Um, but, f- and I don't think this is this is not no fault of anyone. This is not anything Chris Jones could have prevented. To borrow a college term, he's essentially on year zero this year, where, right. you know, they're tr- they have so many, so much change. They don't know who their quarterback is. It's like his first year in Saskatchewan, essentially, where they went five and 13 or whatever it was. Right. Where it's like, we are, they're trying to figure out who they have and what they are. And then next year is when the build towards something actually really starts. So that's what I see out of Edmonton this year. They're doing great I, stuff I off the field. Yeah. I hope the oh, fan base with stuff. I hope the fan base with all that doesn't have the expectations that they're going to be good because I don't think they will. But I feel like they will probably at least be entertaining to watch this year, which will be a step up from where they were. Well, and let's and and just as an aside, yeah, I I, I don't think the on field product will be great. But you look at the things that like. Every CFL team right now should look at what the Eskimos are doing. Or, pardon me. There we go. There's the first one of the season. Uh, what the Elks are doing. Mm-hmm. 
uh, this year and just take a carbon copy of that in terms of connecting with the community, the family season ticket pass. Like, mm-hmm. It's like everything you and I constantly discuss about that, that, that CFL teams should be doing to become better and, and in the community more. This is what the Elks are doing. And you're seeing BC do it a little bit, and it's nice to see that maybe we can, you know – stop the doom and gloom talk for Mm -hmm. for a season and and let's focus on getting fans in the building and making it affordable and all that kind of good stuff so i i I hope as much as i have expressed my issues with chris jones i hope that for that organization's sake that they you know they do something to put some bums in seats you know if you're gonna lose games lose them in entertaining as hell fashion right make it chaotic make it awesome and and i hope they do put bums in seats but Again, you know, in this league, you need to know who your guy's going to be. And neither of the guys in Edmonton strike me as as, as a true number one quarterback, right? So no. I, I think you, I could see Edmonton being bad. They're going to be better than – more competitive than last year. I think you could see BC being, being bad. And I think your top three in the West, just almost by default – is Winnipeg, because we know what they are, Calgary because of their talent, even though they've got a bit of question marks at quarterback, and Saskatchewan, again, just purely based on talent. I mean, they, they were they were a good team last year with Cody, God love them, having a terrible year. Yeah, I'm not as sold in Calgary as you are. I think if they're kind of in the race, like deep into the race, like they could very well be a playoff team, but if they're like actual, like I would say, contenders, it's because of their coaching staff, I think, more than kind of what they developed at this point, but I mean, I guess we'll see, but uh, to your further point, the BC Lions, to me, to me, they're like the most interesting team in the league this year because mm-hmm. they've taken sort of an NFL approach to it right now, which this is very much the model in the NFL right now yep. to yep. take a quarterback on their rookie contract. Now, generally, it's, you know, a guy like a Trevor Lawrence or a Patrick Mahomes or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, while he's still cheap, just build everything around him with as much as you can and win a you know, that's how you win Super Bowls now effectively, right? Yep. So they're kind of trying to do that with Nathan Work. You know, Nathan Work. Whether it works or not, we'll see. But, you know, as you said, I think there's I think there's potential for them to be a playoff team in there, depending on how it yeah. goes. I think at least they're they have an outside shot probably at second if things go really well. Yep. And you know, I hope they succeed because I think it's an interesting way. It's an it's an approach we haven't really seen that often in the CFL. Mm-hmm. Canadian quarterback aside or not. So, you know, it's an interesting, and I think it was probably really their only move. It's not like there was really a ton of quarterbacks that they were, could have gone out there and try to get to replace Michael Riley. So yeah, mayor, but we all know he wasn't leaving yeah. Calgary. Like, yeah. So, I mean, ultimately, you know, you know, sort of cap wise, this was the way to do it. And in terms of, you know, the talents available, it was the way to do it. And I could see it's guy. I think it's either going to go really well or really poorly for them. And we'll just, right. well, you know, we don't know which way it's going to go, obviously, but um, I feel like they could be a playoff team. I kind of feel like after what we saw start of last year and sort of at times throughout last season, I think we're kind of starting to wind down sort of the last 20 years of Calgary Stampede or dominance. Yeah, I just, I look at like Kareem DeCary, I look at, you know, Begleton's back, I look at that that defense, I look at that coaching staff that's there, and I, it's yeah, almost like, they're not, like they're not, I don't think they're going to go to complete dog shit, but at no, the same time, I'm it, like, I, I have a hard time labeling, labeling them as a top contender. I, I, I want to see, let the record show. I want to see BC do well. I want mm-hmm. to see a team 
led by a young, exciting Canadian player do well. And I want to see, you know, hey, BC's talking about opening up the upper bowl for the home opener, which is massive in that market. That's it looks fantastic. like they've opened up actually five sections up there Th- now. Yeah. That's awesome. I want to see them go, uh, you know, pick up steam, gain popularity, and they need to win to do that. I want to see that. And I don't know if it's that same mental block, like when you're curling and you just you you're you're lining up for your shot and you're just you don't believe the ice, but it's there and that's what it should be. I just I I, and maybe it's because they've been good for so long. I just I I can't see a world where Calgary isn't in the playoffs and Winnipeg isn't in the playoffs. And to me, it comes down to Saskatchewan and BC. Is Cody better than Nathan Rourke? Is what this season is going to tell us and. God, the fallout that will happen in this province if BC is strong and Calgary is strong and Winnipeg strong and and hosting the Grey Cup and there's not even a competitive team on the field for Saskatchewan. Like that to me, like the chaos lover in me almost wants to see it. But the guy that loves football and fully plans on doing a live episode of this podcast during Grey Cup week does not want to see it. Yeah, and so we can, you know, from the rider perspective now. Oh, before we get into the riders, who's who do you got in the East? I know the East is a complete crap show, complete crap show. Well, I got to stick with what I put in the three down piece. I, I ultimately think Hamilton's got to win one of these things eventually. So mm-hmm. I, I stuck with Hamilton. I think Dane Evans is going to put it together this year and kind of put them over the top. I am going to follow up with what Milt Stiegel said. Bombers legend, who I got a Father's Day greeting from on Cameo a few years ago. It was great. Um, I'm going to pick Ottawa. I, don't, I, think, I, don't like... I think Mazzoli's good. I think Mazzoli's good. I, you know, in terms of bro crushes, like, it's not up to where Sergio is. But Lapo is definitely on the radar. Like, there's a little love for Lapo there from this man's heart, right? It's not Sergio love, but... I think he's he's it's his second year. Mazzoli's his quarterback. They've done some good things in the offseason. I I'm gonna go out on a flyer and pick and pick Ottawa to win the East. I don't know. I I mean this is the, the thing about the East. I think you could make a bit of an argument for just about anyone. Um I went with Hamilton just because I think the consistency and sort of the, the, the culture and the team they've built there. I did have right. Ottawa finishing second. I just think it's going to take them a little while to put it together, and it might be a little too late then just because of how new a lot of the pieces are together. We've seen a lot of sort of free agent special teams, you know, not exactly come together right away. And it, you right. Know, so next year might be more their year than this year. You know, Montreal, I think, is going to remain entertaining as hell. And Oh, yeah, I can't wait. I love watching Alouette. And I, th- and I right think that it might work. And, you know, for me, you know, Toronto, they were good last year, but their history is filled with just being up and down all the time that I'm just I'm just not sold on them actually being consistently good from year to year. Yeah, I I would agree. I would, I, I would flip. Obviously, I would I'd flip Ottawa Hamilton. Uh, I think Montreal is is number three. I've got. Yeah. And for no rhyme or reason other than I, I, I think we know what McLeod Bethel Thompson is mm-hmm. and what McLeod Bethel Thompson is, is not great. Um, so I, I think again, just we're strictly basing it on quarterbacks and potential of quarterbacks and things like that. So yeah, I, I, outside, I agree with you outside of flipping Ottawa and Hamilton. I think we get, I, I do think Hamilton makes the great cup game. Yeah. I think Ottawa wins the East though. Okay. So to the riders, to the riders. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think the most of the questions, unsurprisingly, for this team coming into this season are on offense. You know, yes. we, we know what the defense is going to be. The defense has been strong for a number of years. Yes, they've changed some pieces, like the linebacking core is new, but there's very solid names there. And, you know, the secondary is a little bit rebuilt, but overall, I you know, I trust this group to, able to, fi- to be able to find defenders. I think they've proven right. that they can find new defenders that fit in. You know, I think Micah Johnson will be replaced adequately by, by Garrett Reno and others in the middle, so I'm not really too concerned there. AC Leonard remains strong on the outside. If Charleston Hughes, you know, does anything, that's a plus. So, right. you know, I, I think the defense is fine. It's settled up. You know, there's a question about whether there may or may not be a Canadian playing there, but regardless, you know, I think the questions remain on offense, and it's basically everywhere, I think, on offense, you have a question. You know, right. will the offensive line be better than it was last year? Will Cody Fajardo return more to a 2019 form? Will he be more like a 2021 form, or will it be somewhere in the middle? Or somewhere worse, because he wasn't really that bad in 2021, to be fair. No, no, he was he was average. He was, yeah. He was very he could, he could be much worse than he was, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, he could, he, to be fair, huh? he, uh, you're right, he... Yeah, will a Jamal Morrow be and company? Will they replace William Powell? I I think so. Yes, I would agree. And then I think sort of I, we've stumbled upon this because it was a, the piece written by one Brendan McGuire on threedonation.com. The most interesting thing maybe what is actually going to happen in the receiving core. Right, right. And, 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 and we didn't, I... I didn't even really think about it or look into it too closely until you brought it up, frankly, before we started recording this episode. <laughs> no scripts. That's how we roll. Yeah, I, right before my computer gave up the ghost, mm-hmm. uh, I was reading that article by Brennan talking about, you know, the, the Canadian starters. And at first I was worried because typically when you see a team that doesn't really have that spot figured out, Heading into game one, it's not usually a sign of success, but then as you and I got talking before we hit record and before my computer got working and before anything <laughs> worked, um, I really think the Riders are in a position of strength, and it actually, what they could do this year very much reminds me of the Winnipeg model that's worked very, very well for Winnipeg, and that's have a heavily Canadian offense and essentially go American on D, and... Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, Joel, but wasn't that 2013 team a lot? Like, like I remember, no, no? were they fairly balanced? Or... They were, because on defense, you had Keith Shulligan, you right. had Craig Butler, and you had mm. a then unproven Sam Hurl, who was still believed to be something at the time, right? <laughs> Our favorite whipping boy. Um... Yeah, So, and you had others, you had, you know, the likes of Paul Waldo and stuff that could fill in on the secondary as well, right? So... <laughs> Right. Okay. Okay. So yeah, this this very much seems like the Winnipeg model. It seems like they could go three, maybe four Canadians along the offensive line. That Canadian receiver depth, as you and I were talking about, mm-hmm. is off the charts good. Like, yeah. So because re- you were you were concerned of like, well, they're saying the seventh Canadian starter, well, you know, they're comfortable with it being a third receiver, and you're like, yeah. well, if you don't know, I'm like, I don't know, and then and we sort of actually started to dig into it a little bit, and there's a lot of Canadian receivers on this team. Yeah, And not a ton of Americans, especially once you get past sort of the big three. And, of course, Kyron Moore started the game, starting the season on the six-game injured list. So, really, you have Duke Williams and you have Shaq Evans. And then your Americans consist of a uh, – let's see here. A Jacob Prawl. Who? Yeah. So, realistically, I mean, that's kind of what you're looking at. So I mean, I think. So of course, Jacob then, of course yeah, Chicka Prawl. Then you have Shaq Evans and you have Duke Williams. So I think right. realistically, 
this points to me like if Kyra Moore is on the roster, maybe you second you think about it a bit. But at the same time, then maybe you know you just have two of the th- big three Americans out there all the time, and you know maybe every once in a while you go empty backfield and you bring all three of them in. But I mean, clearly, I think this has kind of been there the idea in the back of their mind that this was the route they were going to go. Because then on the other side, you have of course the draft pick Samuel Emelis. As a kid, yep. you have Jake Hardy still, you have Wesley Lewis, you have Justin McKinnis, you have Mitchell Pickton, and of course you have the guy who I think may end up being, who will be the best Canadian receiver, and maybe a top receiver on this team, Keen Schaefer-Baker. Yeah, ab- absolutely, and that, and that was funny, because it's the same thing, I never really thought of that, and yeah. I didn't have the roster in front of me because of my POS computer, and as soon as you brought that up, I'm like, okay, yeah, they were obviously looking at doing this and looking at having that much Canadian depth at receiver, giving Cody not not a complete lack of options, right? Um, I think back to your point about will the offensive line be better, will Cody be better, obviously those two are married to each other right there. Like, again, to the casual observer, and I don't want to sound like a football snob, but I know I totally sound like one right now, to the casual observer – the the offensive line for the Riders looked fine last year. They didn't, didn't give up a ton of sacks. They didn't give up a ton of pressures. But but you, you could, could tell, tell that you could tell the coaching staff didn't really believe in them because it was all they were all very quick developing plays. Exactly, quick developing plays. And even when you did have a longer developing play, it was one of those things that you could tell Cody just needed a half second. Cody wasn't getting blown up all day long like, you know, BC's offensive line circles a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Cody just needed a half second. So I I think it's a little unfair to put that on Cody, but you have seen in the past where a quarterback just gets blown up time and time and time again and loses that confidence in offensive line and almost gets gun shy and, and can't really come back and be himself. So even if they or, are better... Or it ruins a career like, say, Drew Willie. That, that's exactly it, right? I mean, yeah. Drew Willie looked like a more than capable quarterback, got beat up, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm sure he's selling insurance or real estate that is in his home city because that's what they all do. So I I, I think the offensive line will be better. They I should don't be. Think... Like, you would think, like, because, I mean, Dan Clark was the only returning Canadian last year out of, like, the middle three. Right. And those are the three that really need to work together. And then you kind of get the tackles that, you know, not that they don't work together as part of the unit, but it's it's a bit of a different job, right? So, right. So I, I think, you know, a year together between Clark, Furlan, and Johnson should make a difference. You have Jamal Campbell, who it looks like is going to start the year on the bench despite being, you know, sort of a career starter at the date. So the depth yeah. there is better already because that's a pretty good guy to come off the bench to replace a Canadian if you have to. Or if something happens to one of your other Canadians, you can throw him at right tackle or something. And well, you, should, it, you should yeah. be okay, right? So I think that's that's a step up there for sure. There's no question about that. And, you know, I think, you know, and this is no offense to William Powell, who I think played very well last year, maybe even doing a lot of things that maybe he's not necessarily used to doing as more of a sort of prototypical power runner. You know, he did do a lot of receiving in the backfield, and he did a good job of it. But I think a guy like Jamal Morrow is going to provide that at a better level that Williams did, uh, William Powell did just because of his age and his speed and probably more his ability to do that as a returner versus a guy like William Powell. So that will add sort of an extra dimension to the offense that they didn't have before yeah, necessarily. Because, I mean, William Powell was very good and serviceable at it, but I wouldn't say he was explosive at it like maybe a guy like Morrow can be. 
No, exactly. If you were getting the ball to William Powell, you were getting three or four yards. You weren't potentially getting, you know, where he shakes one defender and rips it off for 10, 20. Um, he, Powell was a very good safety valve, and you're right. It's yeah. a, for late in his career to all of a sudden develop great hands and be a big part of the offense was awesome. But it, you're right. They are going to look different. It just comes down to a lot. I mean, William Powell was a great blocker, too. He mm-hmm. helped out that crap offensive line a lot last year. Yeah. And is Morrow going to be the same thing, right? So Yeah, and, uh, but it, I mean, and that's, you know, there's a question, you know, I think the running back role this year is probably going to be a little more situational than we saw rather than William right. Powell being out there every down. Like, you might bring in a Keenan LaFrance in a clear blocking situation, or maybe Frankie Hickson, who actually threw some pretty good blocks in the preseason, proves to be the guy that you can go out there in passing downs while you maybe use Jamal Morrow in more of sort of a gadgety trick play kind of way. Right, and, and speaking of the offense and blocking and Canadians in the backfield, Saskatchewan has the number one piece you need to be successful in the CFL. Absolutely. A French-Canadian fullback. Yeah, and one that a lot of people are very high on and were surprised was, you know, came to the CFL as quickly as he did in Bruno LaBelle. You know, he played for Cincinnati, so, I mean, that's that's a pretty good program to play for yep. down south. And, you know, he play, he signed with the Cardinals, played there for a little bit. Now, obviously, he, I think he was used more as a tight end there, which is a role that doesn't necessarily truly exist in the form it does in the United States as it does in Canada. For but, now. For now, but it is certainly a scenario, you know, where I think that's one of those sort of sneaky things that he's obviously not going to go off for a thousand yards or anything like that, but you know, he's good enough that there could be, you know, some sneaky moments there where, okay, you know, this guy makes a clutch play every now and then rather than just being brought into block, which we, you know, generally expect the fullback to come in and do. Right. Exactly. And I love the fact we're talking about a fullback on this podcast. It we just makes always me talk so... about fullbacks. Any chance we get on this program. fullbacks, kickers, punters. This is, this is a safe space for all of y'all. So, and the reason I say, you know, for now is I just, I really see, especially with the hash marks being tightened up. I see a world where maybe you do use a tight end a little bit more than you did before in the CFL. Right. I so. so I really, hope and so, I yeah. think, and I think he's the kind of guy, I think that could be some innovation is seeing that big tight end and, and seeing a big French Canadian tight end for the riders. Mm-hmm. I think that, that, that could lead to good things. Right. So I, I think the offense is going to be better. I, you know, I like the essentially all American defense as that has worked well for many clubs for many years, most notably being the bombers of late. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I went from being a little worried to being, you know, optimistic about this team's chances and and the chances of playing at home and the chances of playing a relevant football game at home come, you know, November here. So, yeah, I I, I think this team is interesting. I think you can make an argument that if Winnipeg regresses, they could potentially be the number one seed. If we see Cody like he was, if we see the offensive line like they could be, I just... Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I feel like I should reverse phrase or curse them, though. Maybe. <clears throat> like, like I feel like I should say, like, I feel like I should stick to my scalding hot take that they're going to miss the playoffs and cause chaos in the province. Can uh, I stick to that? Sure, if you want. Let's go for it. Okay. Uh, something causing chaos in your life right now is yes. um, the treatment of our boy, our boy Sergio Castillo. Now, I guess I don't, I guess I don't know if it's you know entirely proven yet, but I mean Edmonton cut all of their kickers except for Sergio at the end of camp. So yeah. 
he could be doing all three. I mean, I haven't looked up to see if there's actually another punter on the roster yet again or not, but regardless. But uh, on the same note, though, when we spoke to him, he wants to do all three. Mm-hmm. He loves doing all three. That's a big reason yeah. he loves playing in Canada, right? So I imagine that was probably part of the decision-making with, with Chris Jones and a talent like Sergio. Yeah, so uh, great we're happy with that. You know, that was a really big day for, for you and your boy. Right. I was super excited. All of a sudden, so full disclosure, my <laughs> PVR is set up to record every Bomber game, every Ryder game for obvious podcasting and CTV Saskatoon reasons. Uh, and now I might just have to do it with the Elks games because I will uh, – but I would be the only man who would like – ignore everything and just fast forward to punts and field goals yeah probably and then <laughs> um as they do every year before the season starts the uh cfl's top 50 players on tsn came out right and for some reason the guy who was the actual mvp of the gray cup you'll never convince me off, he wasn't was left off the list entirely well and especially too i am mad at our three down nation colleagues and jc abbott and john and john hodge mm-hmm they had the article that said, this is who I voted for, and neither of them voted for Sergio either. The man was the real MVP of the Grey Cup. The man is capable and is going to do all three jobs for the Elks at a very high level. And, and, and he's on the top 50 players list? Like, he's the reason Winnipeg won the Grey Cup last year, because their kicking game was hot garbage. It was hot smelly garbage that's been left out for way too long because you forgot it was garbage day and the diapers sit in there for a month adding some dog poop that's how bad winnipeg's kicking game was then from the heavens came sergio an emergency episode and a great jersey and a great cup championship so it is a slap in the face there's a media conspiracy like and he's and again, you and I spoke to him. He's one of the nicest dudes we I, I I've ever met in terms of professional athletes. Like, I'm upset, I'm angry, and I hope he has a perfect season and finds a way to win the CFL's MOP. Now that would be something. I oh mean, he, I mean, he would get one vote if they gave if you somehow got the vote. He would definitely <laughs> do. Then there would be like all these votes for MOP, and then it'd be like. And for some reason, Sergio Castillo got one vote. Hey, if he has yeah. a perfect season, which I think he could, you know, you never know. Could 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 <laughs> be a huge a impact. Stretch. I mean, I don't, I don't want to phrase to curse him. Yeah. Which now I'm a little worried that I'm doing it, my boy. But um, I do think. Uh, see, it's funny. It's like every. I'd be like the guy that every year when baseball's Hall of Fame ballots comes out, you always have that one knob that's like. I didn't vote for anybody because steroids are bad, or I didn't vote for anybody because somebody was mean to me once. Yeah. I'd be that guy, but I'd actually have numbers and facts to back it up. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. 
Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.